Jesus ever? Have you ever been told that? <laughs> I've been told that a couple of times, amen. <laughs> if you would, open your Bibles with me to the book of Matthew, please, and stand as you turn there to the book of Matthew chapter 9. Matthew chapter 9. And we're going to read from verse 35 to verse 38. Matthew chapter 9, verse 35 to verse 38. When you got it, say so. All right, nobody has it. We'll wait. I'll wait for you. I'll wait for you. Matthew chapter 9, verse 35. When you got it, say so. That sounds better. All right. It says this. It says, then Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them, because they were weary and scattered like sheep, having no shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers, into his harvest. Lord, thank you so much for your word that is true. Thank you for your grace, for your goodness, Lord God. Thank you for being our savior, our deliverer. Thank you for being faithful and never never relenting in the purpose that you have for our lives, God. We humble ourselves before you today. And we ask God that you would speak to us in these next few moments. As we are together, as we are in your word, God, may our ears be open, may our hearts be surrendered, and may we be attentive to your voice, God. We come against every thought, we come against every distraction of mind and heart, and we pray that we would not just hear your word, but that we would respond to it in faith and do what you've called us to do. We pray this in Jesus' name, and everyone said... Amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. <clears throat> and so today we are continuing. We're actually finishing up our series in, uh, that we started a few weeks ago called entitled, Where Do We Stand? Where Do We Stand? And so we've seen, uh, we've talked about a bunch of different stuff in this series. We've communicated how we know uh, the, the, the battle that is going on in our lives, that is going on in our world. And it's not just about us, right? It's it's not just about the church that is experiencing stuff, but there is a spiritual battle that people are experiencing in this world in which we're living. And so as we saw in the video here, it's important that we realize that no matter how dark it gets, no matter how discouraging it seems, no matter how hard it is that we, I love that thought, the world needs you to shine. The world needs you to shine brightly. In the midst of this moment, think about that. I mean, you are that beacon. You are that light house in this world. And so don't forget that calling that we have on our lives. In the gospel of John, Jesus said this to his disciples. He said, as the Father sent me, so I send you. And so the same way that Jesus came into this world on a mission sent by the Father, he tells his disciples at that moment, he says, I'm sending you the same exact way. And today I want to talk about being mission-minded, being mission-minded. And what I believe firmly is that our world is suffering from the lack of a sent church. Our world is suffering from the lack of a sent church. Let me say it like this. We've mastered doing church. 
We've mastered the, the, the things that we do, you know, whatever it is, when, you know, whether it's kids ministry, whether it's music, <clears throat> whether it's preaching, you know, now we're mastering video, we're hoping, right? I mean, that's, you know, we're mastering online ministry, all these different things. We've mastered doing church, but here's the problem that we've forgotten how, or even worse, we've never been taught how to be the church. We haven't been taught how to be the church. We've, we, we've grown so accustomed to certain things that we have not become the church that God has called us to be. And so I want to just give a, a, a shameless plug right now because I think it's important that we realize the purpose of our Core Connect life groups in our church. We start, we have Core Connect life groups, these groups that gather together. And these groups are about what? They're about growing upward in our relationship with God. They're about growing inward in our relationship with one another, but they are also about growing outward in our reach of the world, right? That we would encourage one another, that we would even seek opportunities to be able to do what? To serve in our community, to reach other people in different ways. And so that's the purpose. And why do I, why do I say shameless plug? Because if you are not part of one of our Core Connect life groups, man, you got to get plugged in. You got to get connected. You've got to grow. If you haven't been through Rooted, because Rooted is where we start art it's foundational and 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 a lot of and a lot of people think oh man I'm you know I already got all that stuff in the bag hold on a second time out no no nobody has all this stuff in the bag right nobody has arrived yet in their understanding of what it is to follow Christ and what I learned going through rooted I mean me I've gone through it I think three times by now and every time that I've gone through it I have learned I have grown in my faith because listen you cannot spend time with God in his word and not grow in your faith and what Rooted does is it helps us to understand, it, it, it takes us, the reason why we require everyone to go through this is because it takes us from doing church to being the church. It takes us from understanding the need to gather because I believe that this is so important. The reason why we're here, the reason why we wear our masks, the reason why we make all the efforts and we have seats and rows blocked off is because we realize how important it is for us to gather and so we want to make it accessible to to everyone. We want to gather as, as followers of Christ, come together as a body, but we don't just want to do that. We want to scatter well. We want to go out into this world living as the light in the midst of darkness. And so what we have here is this. I want you to think about this this morning. Our sent Savior fulfilled his mission. As a sent people, we must fulfill ours. Our sent Savior fulfilled his mission. As sent people, we must fulfill ours. And so as we wrap up this series on where do we stand, we must stand in the mission that God has given us. We must be mission-minded. We must look at what Jesus communicates to his disciples and understand, hold on a second here. Jesus is communicating, and if you just go back, you can do this later on. Don't do it now, please, because I want you to pay attention to what I'm saying here. But if you go back and read chapter 9, you go back and you read through it, and as you see what is happening in and throughout chapter 9, you see that Jesus heals. He's, he's bringing healing into people's lives. He's sitting down with tax collectors and sinners, he and his disciples, and he's communicating that, man, we didn't come here for those who are well. We came here for the sick. We came to seek and to save the lost. I've come to seek and to save the lost. There are people that are hurting. Jesus is bringing the gospel message 
message of the kingdom everywhere that he's going. And as he's bringing this message of the gospel and the kingdom, guess what is happening? He is bringing deliverance to lives. Jesus fulfilled his mission. Now you and I must be committed to fulfilling our mission. And so the first thing I would ask you to repeat after me is this, and please say this with a, with a firm voice of conviction. Say this with me. Do you see the mission? Do you see the mission? Do you see the mission? And so what does Jesus do? Jesus is there, and we look at this in verse 35. It says, then Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. That does not mean that every single person was healed. It simply means that Jesus was healing sickness and diseases, the diseases that the people were experiencing. Jesus was going in. He was bringing this message of the kingdom. He was saying the reign of God, the rule of God is here. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. We know that was his message. And as he communicated that message, he also brought the demonstration of the kingdom. Do you realize that the power of God's kingdom dwells in you? Do you realize that the power of God's kingdom dwells in you? We have to grasp the truth that the Holy Spirit of God is dwelling in us and the power of his kingdom is within us. The question is, do we believe it? As I read through chapter 9, as I was reading it this morning, and I was there, I was just humbled before the Lord, and I was like, man, God, do I believe you? Do I believe you? Do I believe that you are the same yesterday, today, and forevermore? I know the book of Hebrews says that, but do I believe you? Do I believe that you want to demonstrate your power, your kingdom? Do I believe that you want to bring deliverance to lives? Because here's what I know, is that when the kingdom of God is demonstrated, people recognize God is in the house. And not just in the building, but that God is wherever you are, that God is moving, that God is present. And what I believe is that God is calling a people into mission, but not some mamby-pamby mission that's weak and wimpy, that really has no answers, that simply says, well, all we can do is pray. No, no, no. But a mission that says, man, let's seek the God of the universe. Let's pray unto the Redeemer and deliver. Let's pray unto this healing God. Let's believe that God is able to resurrect. Let's believe this God that did so many things and he hasn't changed he still wants to manifest his kingdom he still wants to break chains he still wants to heal he still wants to deliver you know why because he still wants to save he wants to bring deliverance to lives the question is do we believe him do we see the mission the next verse here says what it says in verse 36 it says but when so now mind you think about this he had been healing he had been preaching, he had been ministering, and then it says this, but when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. Jesus is moving from city to city, from town to town. And what is happening is God is bringing his power to bear on the lives of those who are there. People are following Jesus because they need to hear this message, because they need the power of God. They see it there. And when Jesus raises up his eyes at a moment, he looks and he sees the multitudes. He sees the people. And the scripture says when he sees them, he is moved with compassion. 
You know, we live in a day where there's cliche statements and somebody does something good to be like, yo, I see you, man, right? Like, I see you, bro. You know, so, you know you, if you're a workout person, somebody lifts something, they do something good. Man, I see you. You know, somebody does something really well. You know, man, I see you. But what about the hurting? Do we say, I see you? Do we say, I, I, see, I, I see you? I recognize your pain. I recognize, because you know who is seeing all? God Almighty. He is seeing all. And so what did Jesus see that moved him with compassion? See, here's what I want you to understand, is that the mission that we are called into is not some inconsequential operation. You know, you, if you, you've seen movies, military movies, about extractions that took place because someone was in bondage, someone was needing relief, and, and, and our military is sent in special operations to go and deliver and save people from where they are to take them out of the captivity that they are in. What I need you to know is this, is that we have a life or death operation that God has called us into. It is a calling to liberate lost people people. Think about that. It's not some inconsequential, well, hey, man, I got to be on mission. No. We hear these words, and I think these words, they just kind of roll off our back like they don't really matter. But, you know, when you, when you think about, you know, when you think about the military for a moment, why, why do they go? They, they, they made a commitment. They made a commitment to, 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 to protect, to save. But you know what they saw? They saw an urgency in these lives, and they went, and they moved forward. Wait a second, do we see that urgency in the lives of those that are lost? Do we understand that this is life or death? Do we understand that, listen, it's not the next man's job or the next woman's job. It is our responsibility to be on mission for these lives because guess what? If they don't hear and respond to the gospel, they will spend an eternity separated from God. This is what the gospel teaches us. The gospel teaches us that men are lost. As a matter of fact, the book of Ephesians says it this way. You were dead in your sins and your trespasses. Meaning, listen, you don't even realize. You don't even realize. Think about this. Did you realize you were lost before you were found? You thought you were okay, didn't you? See, the mission is so difficult. Why? Because people are born into sin. They have a bent towards rebellion against God. They're born that way. And as we grow and as we continue to, to develop in our lives, especially when there is a lack of discipleship in our homes, I was so excited this morning hearing Giancarlo do that countdown. As he was counting down, I'm like, man, we need to be getting excited about the fact that in 10 seconds, we're about to start worship. We are about to lift up the name. I mean, we should have been worshiping, but in 10 seconds, we are going to begin to praise the God of the universe. We're going to begin to forget about everything else that has gone on in our week in our day, we are going to begin to engage God like never. Oh, God. Listen, our kids need to hear about Jesus over and over again. They need to know who he is. Why? So that way they won't go fully astray, but that they will turn to him. That they will come to him. Why? Because we are all dead in our sins and our trespasses. We all need this Savior. We need this Deliverer. 
And the gospel tells us what? The gospel tells us that Jesus came on the, on the greatest rescue mission ever. Jesus left his comfort and glory as the glorious son of God seated on a throne and he was all good. But he left the throne of glory to put on flesh. And in our next series that we're doing in Philippians, we'll look at this a little bit deeper. But he put on flesh to do for us what we couldn't do for ourselves. He rescued us. He rescued us. He delivered us. You know what he does? He says, okay, I rescued you. I delivered you. Now let's go rescue others. Let's go deliver others. And you know, the problem is they don't know they're lost. They think their good works are saving them. They think their religiosity is saving them. They think their whatever is saving them. They think the fact that they're not killing anyone is saving them. They think they are good enough. They're lost. It doesn't matter. They are lost. And we have to bring the bad news of the fact that none of that appeases God. None of that is enough. But the beauty of the cross, and not just the cross, but as Pastor Aldo said, the resurrection the beauty of God raising himself from the dead gives us a hope that we can stand on, that he has offered us rescue. And you and I have this message to bring forth. What did Jesus see when he saw the crowds? He saw people that were weary. He saw people that were scattered. He saw people that were like sheep without a shepherd. Let me ask you a question. Do you see any weary people in this world? You might be weary sitting in here right now. You might be overwhelmed. You might be hearing us in, a, in the podcast or something like that, and you are weary. You're, you are weighed down. You know what that word weary means? That word, that word weary means harassed. You, is anybody harassed nowadays? I think so. There's some people that are being harassed. Listen, there's some ugly videos that we're seeing out there, are there not? People are sitting down trying to have dinner, and groups are walking in like, you know, just overlords or something like that, like saying they got to get up and go. Is that harassment? I think so. There's some overwhelming stuff that is happening in our days that people are harassed. People are weary. They're tired. I mean, listen, they are beat up. They're scattered. What does that word scattered mean? That word scattered, it means isolated, disjointed, hopeless. Think about that. Any hopeless people right now? Think about it. There's some hopeless people. Same thing that was there when Jesus was there, when Jesus was walking the earth. Same thing right now. People are scattered. People don't, they're there. The enemy is seeking to divide, so people are beat up. People are separated. People are exhausted. Come on now. Overwhelmed by things. But the big one is that Jesus said they were like sheep without a shepherd. And I remember somebody talked about sheep one time. They said, you know, whenever I think about sheep, I think about like Mary had a little lamb. Fleece was white as snow. Everywhere that Mary went, the lamb was sure to go. It said, but I went to a farm, and I messed with some sheep. They were scraggly. They were ugly. They were biting. They were, they were nasty. They weren't like this Mary had a little lamb type sheep. And you know why? Because they didn't have a, they didn't have a shepherd. <clears throat> they didn't have a shepherd. They were there on a farm. They didn't have someone taking care of them. They didn't have someone who was tending to their needs. They didn't have someone who was making sure, like the Psalm 23 shepherd, you know, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He leads me beside still water. He takes me, you know, to green pastures. He anoints my head. Like all of those things, if you read through the book of Psalm, Psalm 23, and you read through that chapter, and you look at what the shepherd does, <clears throat> the shepherd cares for, the shepherd guides, 
The shepherd directs. The shepherd protects. The shepherd corrects. Come on now. The shepherd works with the sheep in order to do what? To make sure that these sheep live the way they're supposed to live. But these people were like sheep without a shepherd. You know what it said? I want you to hear these words. Jesus saw them and he was moved with compassion. Compassion always leads to action. You know what the problem with us is? We feel bad. We're not moved. For the Hispanics in the room, ay bendito. Translation, poor baby. Oh, man, I'm so sorry. That don't fix anything. That doesn't move you to do anything. Matter of fact, that can offend someone. We have to be moved with compassion. Can I tell you the problem, though? Here's the thing. I ask you the question. Do you see the mission? One of the greatest obstacles to the mission God has called us into is that we don't see people. Are you here? We see enemies. Sometimes we see friends. But we see enemies. Like, oh, man, I want to slap that dude. Come on now. You thought about it. I want to lay hands on them. I know, I know what kind of hands you want to lay. Wait a second. You see people. We see people as obstacles or opportunities. Wait a second. Are people obstacles or opportunities? No, they're not only above. They're people. They have needs. We see people. We see Republicans or Democrats. Come on now. We see conservatives or liberals. How about this one? We see black and brown people and white people. Wait a second. You know what we see? We see all the categories that the world has put us in. We don't see people. We don't see people. So you know what? If you're this, you don't, you don't, have, you don't have a right to feel how you feel. If you're that, you don't have a right to speak up. Wait a second. Time out. Time out. Do we forget about the world for a moment? Forget about all those voices out there that are speaking lies and speaking division. Do we see the harvest? Do we see people as God sees people? Or are we not seeing people? Because can I tell you something? If we don't see the harvest, we're never going to go work in the harvest. If we don't see people, we're never going to be moved with compassion. If we just see people as knuckleheads, as idiots, as this or that or the third, we are never going to be moved with compassion. Here's what we need to do, church. We need to ask God to open our eyes and see what he sees. That's what we have to do. Second thing I'd ask you to repeat after me is this. Say, do you understand? Do you understand? They don't want to talk today. They don't want to talk today. I know the mask is, is, is a little bit inhibitive, but come on now, talk through the mask. We've got to work through it. Let's say that again. Do you understand? Do you understand? There we go. What the mission is lacking. What the mission is lacking. Come on now, there you go. You sound good. Do you understand what the mission is lacking? Jesus says what? The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Jesus reminds his disciples what? That the harvest is plentiful. What does that mean that it's plentiful? It means that there is an abundance of sinners out there. Are you here? 
There is an abundance of lost people in this world. There is an abundance of people in need, check it out now, in need of discipleship. Not just evangelism, discipleship. The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. See, the problem is this, harvesting takes work. Can I tell you what's easy? Let me, let me tell you what's easy. Here's what's easy. I'm going to share this message on Facebook. That's easy. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to like this message. I'm going to comment on this message. I'm going to post this on my page. That's easy. All that's easy stuff. I'm going to go ahead and I have my, you know, invitation card. Right now you may not have invitation cards, but you know what? I'm going to have my and I'm going to just leave my invitation card on the table when I leave the restaurant. That's easy. You know what? I'm going to go and I'm going to knock on someone's door. I'm going to give them an invite. Yeah, that's a little bit intimidating, but that's easy. Because it's not just doing those things. It is about being engaged in the harvest. You see, because the harvest is plentiful, the laborers are few. Why? Because harvesting takes work. It takes sacrifice. It takes intentionality. It, can't, it takes living with a mind on mission. In other words, you got to be others focused. You got to be focused on other people. You can't just be focused on me, myself, and me. Come on now. <laughs> me, myself, and I. My, 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 my family, just wait, 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 time out, care about your family, go on ahead and minister to your family, raise up your family, disciple your family, amen, amen. But you know what you need to do? You need to teach your family how to make disciples of other families. So you know what happens? What happens is when we look at the laborer, the labor pool is small. There are few, why? Because when you look at that, it's like, man, this is a, this is a big cost. And so you know what happens? Making disciples, be involved in the harvest, difficult. I'll leave that to someone else. Let me, let me, let, let, let me. Let. <laughs> there is no greater privilege, I say it like this. There is no greater privilege than being on Team Jesus. Someone say amen. amen. There is no greater privilege than being on Team Jesus to wear that badge of honor. I'm a follower of Christ. There's no greater privilege than that. To be hated for Christ, hallelujah. To be talked about for Christ, amen. To be rejected for Christ, hallelujah, amen, glory to God. For someone not to want to be around you because of your commitment to Christ is all good. Listen, there's no greater honor to be on Team Jesus. At the same time, there is no greater workload than being an active participant on Team Jesus. See, because there's one thing to put on the shirt, it's another thing to put on the boots and the gloves. See, it's one thing to say, yeah, I'm on Team Jesus. Let me ask you a question. Let's see. You know, if, if, if you went and talked to somebody, and let's say they worked in a sod farm or something like that, and you were like, and they're like, yeah, man, I work for such and such a sod farm. And you looked at their hands. You'd be looking at their hands and be like, let me see your hands, man. Do you really work for this side farm? Are you out there picking stuff up? Are you doing, let, let, let me look at your work boots. Come on now. Now, listen, there's people who work in the office. Some of y'all are like, hey, but what about the, those, you know, those white-collar folk? Listen, I ain't talking about the white-collar folk. I'm talking about the ones that are in the grind because, listen, God is, can I tell you something? God hasn't called any of us Christians to be white-collar folk in Christianity. He's called all of us to be blue-collar workers. He's called all of us to be in the harvest, in the labor, in this work. And listen, I mean, it's just, it's just factual. We can say all day long, I'm following Jesus. Are you really? Are you really? 
do you smell like the sheep? I mean, you can say you're a shepherd all day, but do you, do you ever engage? We're all supposed to be under shepherds. We're all supposed to be leading people to Christ. We're all supposed to be uh, those people who are working in the labor force of the kingdom. We're all supposed to be helping people grow in their faith. We're all supposed to be disciple makers. It's not just the elders and deacons and ministers' responsibility. It's everybody's responsibility. And listen, I'm grateful we got some young folks up in this place. It's your responsibility too. For our young people in the room. You know, you know, you know what's one of the tragedies that I have to testify about in middle school? I dropped out of ninth grade, so I can't tell you too much about high school. I was only there for like half the year anyway. But here's, here's, here, here's what I understand. Sixth, and I did sixth grade twice, so they had two opportunities for me. <laughs> sixth grade, sixth grade, seventh grade, eighth grade. You know what I never knew was in my school? Christians. I never knew there was a follower of Christ in my school. You know what my prayer is? That this generation of young men and women, that you wouldn't be afraid, that you wouldn't be ashamed of the gospel, that you would be a light that shines in the midst of this world. Because you know what I also know? I remember in middle school, seventh grade, you want to know what happened? I'll never forget this. I remember one day, I, I, it was one of the days that I was in one of my best days. I was skipping school. I'm just kidding. That's terrible. Think, I think we skipped school, and then we left, and we went with my friend. My friend, I can't remember his name right now. Him and I, we went, we hung out, we were playing, you know, riding bikes, all this kind of stuff. And I remember I came to school, that was a Friday. I came to school on Monday, and they made an announcement over the intercom. This guy had just hung himself. Why do I share that story? There are hurting people in middle school. There are hurting people in high school. And you know what? You have the answer. We know there's hurting people on college campuses. That's, that, that, that's a given, right? But here's, here's, here's the fact. The fact is God has called every one of us, no matter how young, no matter how old, he's called all of us into this labor force. Third thing I'll ask you to repeat after me is this. Say, have you prayed, have you prayed to, the Lord to the Lord about the mission? Have you prayed to the Lord about the mission? Now, what does he tell his disciples? He says, pray the Lord of the harvest that he would send laborers. He says, pray the Lord. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest that he would send laborers into the harvest. I remember being in youth ministry. I wasn't the youth pastor yet. I was a young lady. And she was asking our youth pastor at the time, hey, what do I do to become more bold in evangelism? And the youth pastor, you know, she, and she was confessing that she was struggling with her boldness. And so she was asking this question. And so he said, well, you seem to get out there and do it. And I totally disagreed because I felt like the scripture said something else. And I brought her back to this scripture and I said, listen, I just want to encourage you. This is what I believe. I don't, I don't believe he's wrong and that you should get out there and do it. That's going to help you become bold. So don't not hear that. I don't, I don't want to discredit that because I think that that's very important. But I think that that's half an answer. Because I think the other half of the answer and actually the first part of the answer is to pray the Lord of the harvest that he would send laborers into the harvest. Because to me, this is a trick prayer. What do you mean, Bishop? It's a trick prayer. 
God has no problem tricking us, right? Like, hey, pray this. Okay, I'm praying this. And then what does he say? Okay, are you ready? It's one of those prayers. Lord, I pray that you will send laborers into the harvest. And you know what we hear? We hear God's voice. Are you serious about that prayer? Will you be my laborer? How are you going to say no? Well, Lord, no, not me. Wait a second. So you're not serious then. You get it? You, you, see, you, see what, you see where God is at? God is saying, so this young woman or anybody in this room, you may struggle with evangelism. You may struggle with being bold. And so what I would say to you is begin in the place of prayer. Begin to call out to the Lord. But here's the thing that we have to understand because when you look at these words, we can read these words and think that this is just a casual, well, pray, you know, the Lord of the harvest. And, you know, like, well, all we can do is pray. No, 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 no. When Jesus says these words here, it says earlier that he was moved with compassion. There was an urgency that was in his heart for what was going on in the lives of those that are hurting. And so what does he do? He reminds his disciples of the size of the harvest, and then he tells them to pray. But when he used that word pray, it is a word that literally means to beg and to plead. It's not just to say, oh, God, send laborers in the harvest. It is to be broken over the harvest. It is to be yielded to God, saying, God, I beg of you, send laborers, that you would get desperate about laborers in the harvest. And see, that's where it gets tricky again, because when you get desperate like that, all of a sudden you are moved because you start to see people, you start to see their needs, you start to understand their number one need that they have is is the spiritual void that is in their heart. You begin to pray, and then God does what? He begins to mold. Pray the Lord of the harvest. And then I love the other word there, because the other word is that he would send laborers out there. Now, this word send messed me up, because when I look at the word send out, this is what the word literally means. It means to eject. Literally or figuratively, right? To eject have you ever seen like an ejection, you know, seat in an airplane? Like you might have seen a movie that's had one of those or whatever. And I mean, this thing is like fierce, intense, like someone is getting shot with some velocity, right? So to eject someone, or if, you got, you're, if you're driving down the road and you open the door and you threw someone, I'm not telling you to do this stuff. Are you here? Yeah. <laughs> But this word has a force to it, to bring forth. This, this word is also utilized in the example of casting out demons. So what is God saying? God is saying, beg, plead, cry out to the Lord of the harvest that he would send with force and with power laborers into the field. What did I say earlier? Do you believe the kingdom of God is within you? Do you believe the kingdom of God dwells in you? Do you believe the power of God's spirit is in you? Do you, because this is what God wants to do. You know, we get all caught up in Acts chapter two about the speaking of tongues and we're overwhelmed and does everybody have to speak in tongues and all this kind of stuff. Listen, G Jesus never even said everybody would speak in tongues. What Jesus said is that everybody would be filled with power. For what? So you could brag? Hey, I'm filled. Are you filled? Have you spoken with tongues? Are you Wait, no, 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 no. It's so you could be full of the power of God and you could be witnesses. The purpose of the power of God is not so you can feel good about yourself, not so you can check a box and say, I, I spoke in tongues, or you can check a box and say, well, I've been filled with the Holy Ghost. No, no, no. 
You are to be filled with the Spirit of God, not once, but every day of your life. You should be seeking to be filled with God's Spirit so you can do what? So you can be an effective witness. Why? Because you cannot be, I cannot be an effective witness without the power of God because it is literally God witnessing through us. So beg, plead, cry out, God, empower, raise up some bold witnesses for the kingdom of God. See, the compassion of Christ for people must move us to desperate prayer that will propel us into the work of the harvest. Hear me when I say this. If you're not moved by the harvest, you've missed the heart of God. If you're not moved by the harvest, you have missed the heart of God. Something has to move us for those who don't know Christ. God's heart is that people, he desires, I read it on Friday night during our prayer time. He desires all men to be saved, to come to the knowledge of the truth. Jesus is the mediator between God and men who gave himself a ransom for all. And Paul declares that he is an apostle, an ambassador of this message. We are supposed to be the same. We are supposed to be these ambassadors for Christ. If our heart's not moved by the harvest, we've missed God's heart. Listen, we have all kind of deadlines. You know, we have all kind of goals. We have all kind of desires. But here's the bottom line. The bottom line is the greatest desire is to be in that harvest, to see people coming to the knowledge of God, to see people growing in their faith. And so here's my closing question. Will you take your place in the harvest? Will you take your place in the harvest? So I want, us to, I want us to pray for a moment. I want, us to, I want us to come before the Lord and just humble our hearts. Pastor Aldo, can you go and get um, Hector, please? But I want us, I want us to just take, I, I want you to think about, will you take your place in the harvest? You see, because here's what I want you to know, is it begins in prayer. It begins in prayer. So if you're taking notes, you can write this down. If not, I can send this to you. But here's what I think. I think there's four things we need to be praying for. I think, number one, we need to pray for opened eyes that are unclouded by sin, that are unhindered by a hardened heart. We need to pray for opened eyes. We need to pray for the laborers, that God would send out laborers and that he would make you one. We need to pray for the harvest. We need to pray for salvation. We need to pray for deliverance. We need to pray for repentance. We need to pray that there would be a move of God's spirit upon the harvest, upon those that are hurting. That there would be a restoration and that there would be life that would come to them. 
That we would pray for an unrelenting burden for the broken, for the lame, for the blind, and for the poor. That we would begin to pray the Lord of the harvest. God, burn in our hearts. Burn in our hearts. Burden us for those who don't know you. Burden us for those who are hurting. Burn in our hearts a desire to see them saved. Burn in our hearts. So I'm going to ask you to just bow your head right where you are. You've heard God's word today. going to pray and this is a rough draft of a song that began to come on Wednesday as we were in prayer I want you to let these words just burn in your heart Father we come to you right now in complete and full acknowledgement that you are the king that you reign and that you are the Lord of the harvest and so we want to be part of this labor this labor of love this labor of truth this labor in the harvest and so God I pray that you would open our eyes I pray that you would remove hardness from our hearts. I pray that you would uncloud our eyes by the sin of others, Lord God, that you would raise up laborers, God, that you would send us out by force into this world. Father God, I pray for the harvest. I pray for salvation. I pray for deliverance. I pray for repentance, God. And Father, I pray for us. I pray that we would have an unrelenting burden for the broken, the lame, the blind, and the poor in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Lord, we humble ourselves before you now. Burn in our hearts a desire to see the lost say, burn in our hearts.